This is the Salvation Series, part three, and we're going to go to the word of the Lord today, Romans 10. Let me go to verse 9 and verse 13 to begin with. Are you ready for part number three? Anybody want to be saved? Anybody want to make sure you're saved? Or is anybody in church today because you want to be saved? More than making a friend, more than making yourself feel good, you came here to be saved. Jesus came to save you. The church is here to save you. Number one, it's our priority. Romans 10 and 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Anybody believe that scripture? This is a great scripture. Verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Y'all believe that scripture? I believe that scripture. Why y'all quiet? Yeah. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say whoever says the name of the Lord. Oh, that's where we messed up right there. That's the doctrine that got confusing. Whoever says the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not what it says. Whoever calls on, calls on, like you're at home and you're choking, you call on the medics. Like, you, like you're in a legal battle. You call on the lawyer. Yeah. You call because you're in trouble. You call because you want their intervention. You call because you know without their help you won't be saved. Yeah. Let's use the Bible word. Let's don't create a doctrine. Let's don't do what the church down the road does. Let's, let's quote the scripture. Let's believe the scripture. And so this is Bible. And we're going to talk about this today. And my title today is Belief is Just the Beginning. Anybody a believer today? We're believers. We're believers. But believing is just the beginning. When you become a believer, you're just getting started. Believing is step number one. Nothing else happens until you believe. But if you just believe, everything else will happen. Everything else will happen. Just believing begins the process of salvation. But I don't think we really know the definition of a believer. And tonight we're going to talk about what a believer really is according to the Bible. To see if we are truly believers or not. You're here today, that does not make you a believer. You look nice, it doesn't make you a believer. You call me your pastor, that does not make you a believer. These are all religious things that we do. A believer is much deeper. A believer requires something of you. Okay? Everybody say in Jesus' name. And God bless you. You can be seated if you're a guest today. You Thank you for being here. We want you to feel welcome. I want to meet you today. If you're a guest today, thank you so much for being at AFC. And if you're watching online, thank you for watching online. We hope that this blesses you today. We hope this helps you today. So, number one, we talked about three weeks ago, we talked about, everybody say, priorities. And it has to be your number one priority to be saved. If you do not want to be saved, I will offend you today. I will offend you when I counsel with you. I will offend you when I call and check on you. I will offend you when I use the word of God to you because if you're not going to want to be saved, then you won't want my ministry. I, I am not valuable to you if you don't want to be saved. The only reason why you care about having me in your life is because you realize that I can help you be saved. That's it. That is the value of a pastor. If you want a preacher, this is not the church for you. I'm a pastor. I wasn't called to be a preacher. I was called to be a pastor. It is literally a God-ordained office. 
one of the fivefold ministry, and that means I watch for the souls of the people. And if you want to have someone watching you and keeping eyes on you, then you want a pastor. When you realize the value of a pastor is to make sure that you get what you want, and that is to be saved, then you welcome the conflict. You welcome the confrontation. You welcome the eyes on you in your business, dealing with what you do wrong and what you do right. You want that in your life because your priority is to be saved. I know when someone doesn't want to be saved, when I try to help them get saved, and they get mad at me. I feel like a fireman knocking somebody's door down because I see smoke and they're like, what are you doing? You messed my door up. I'm trying to save you guys. And that's exactly what people do when they don't want to be saved is they get mad because you broke their door down. All you can see is the door. You can't see the house. But when you get a pastor in your life, his goal, the goal is to make sure that you're saved. So if it's not your number one priority, then I don't know why you're at church today. I don't know why you came. I hope today we all agree that your number one goal is I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go at any cost. I'm going to go no matter what. Ain't nobody going to stop me. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be saved. That's got to be your number one priority. You're not here because you want friends or because you want a handout or you want a free meal. You're here today because you want to be saved. That's number one. Help us, Lord. And then last week, anybody know what we talked about last week? We need saving, y'all. See, we need saving. It's not just I want to be saved. I need to be saved. Last week we proved that we are lost without Jesus. And the reason why people don't lift up their hands in worship is because they think that they're already safe. They don't think they need him anymore. There has been a, a horrible doctrine in the day we're living in. This doctrine has made it to where we think we don't need him anymore. The current day model of churches teaches you on YouTube and every mega church across most of them across the world that you can get to a place in your salvation where you no longer even need to have God, to live right, to get free of sin. They teach you that you are so saved you don't have to pray, don't have to fast, don't have to worship, don't have to have a pastor, don't have to pay your tithes. They teach you you can do whatever you want because you're already saved. It is a lie. We need saving. We are lost without him. Our world is broken without Jesus. And last week, I proved through the scriptures that we are lost people. And the reason we pray is because we want to be saved. We need him. We need him. We need him. If you do not believe you, if you don't, if you believe you don't need him, that's why you don't pray. That's why you don't feel like you got to go to church. That's why you don't think you have to live a sin-free life because you don't think that you need to be saved. You think that you are, are going to be saved just automatically without God's help. And it's a lie. And that's what we talked about last week. Today we talk about belief because belief is the staple of salvation. It is what every believer or Christian says. They say, I'm a believer, therefore I'm saved. Therefore, I'm saved. Now, Romans chapter 10 has wrongfully been used as the poster child for many Christians who refuse to obey God's word. Our flesh loves Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and verse 13 when it's used out of context. Many half-committed Christians love the idea of only speaking their commitments and not having to change their lifestyles. Many in our day skip right past Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel 
is that they may be saved. Who's it for? Prayer for who? For Israel. Prayer for who? But why is it then that the majority of the Gentile denominational churches of the current day take Romans chapter 10 and make it their core doctrine of salvation? When the Bible says Paul was really worried about the Israelites being saved. So the next time you hear somebody say, I'm a believer, I've confessed the Lord with my mouth, I believe in my heart, I'm saved, say, are you a Jew? Because he was concerned specifically in chapter 10 about the Jewish people getting the revelation and confessing with their mouth and believing in their heart that Jesus Christ was their Savior. The context of chapter 10 is not to Gentiles. The context was to the Jews. Yet we sit around as Gentiles going, if I just confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, I am saved. We, we don't even want to study the Bible because it's much easier to let somebody on YouTube tell us if you'll just believe, you'll be saved. We don't even want to look at the context because the context makes it a little bit more challenging on us. We just skip over verse 1. We skip over verse 16. We don't want to read the context. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Everybody say obedience. obedience. Why is the word obedience tied into the chapter of believing? Because it's impossible to have belief without obedience. We skip over that. We preach Jesus. We hope that they will believe. But they refuse to have obedience to the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? They have an issue with belief. Therefore, they have an issue with obedience. If you struggle with belief, you struggle with obedience. If you're not obeying, it's because you don't believe. There is a connection in the scripture. Verse 21 is skipped over by many uh, theologians of our day that try to make it easy on people to get to heaven, but they won't find out they're wrong until judgment day. Romans 10 and 21, but to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. We're talking about the Jews, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the Jews. How many times did I grow up with my, my friends from other churches of different denominations and they told me they went to an altar at some church service and they said, I came to the altar, I confessed the Lord before the crowd and I accepted him as my personal savior and from that moment on I was saved. That's not biblical. Belief is just the beginning. If you believe him at the altar of a church, you will go forward from that moment. Your belief will produce obedience. You cannot say, I believe and not obey. It is impossible. But it sure sells good. It sure gets people in the church. It sure sounds good when you're out there saying to the world, all you got to do is believe it down on the cross and you're going to be saved. There's a whole lot more to that statement that we've got to dissect and investigate. You see, the temptation for far too long has been to lift up the believing part and magnify it while ignoring the obedience part. Such is the way of the devil. From the beginning, Satan has tried to twist the word of God in a way that makes it more appetizing to our selfish desires. From day one, the devil has tried to take God's word and twist it to fit our human nature. But when we do a study on true belief, we find that believing is the source of every future Christian manifestation that will ever come out of your life. Believe. 
is the word that we're talking about today. And the total occurrences in the King James Version are 250 times. The Greek word is pisteo. The English versions of this Greek word are, very, are varied throughout the, the New Testament, throughout the Bible. Throughout the New Testament, it's believed, believest, believeth, believing, and believers. But then it goes further. You find the word commit. You find the word committed. And you find the word trust. It's a verb, ladies and gentlemen. It's an action word. It's not something hidden. It's not something that never manifests. It's not something that you have just in your mind or just in your heart. It's something that is active. It's something that is moving. Belief is not dormant or still. Belief is known. Belief is seen. Belief produces action. The definition in every sense of the word means to simply place your trust in. To place your trust in. If you believe in something, you place your trust in. We use the word loosely in our modern day culture. We have allowed a version of believing to creep into the true biblical meaning. And while it's often innocent, we need it to be more clear for us. We say things like, I don't believe in Santa. And what that means, or at least I hope what it means, is I don't believe Santa exists. But in our culture, we don't say the exists part because we think it's just understood. When I tell you I don't believe in Santa, you don't infer or think that I'm saying, I don't put my trust in Santa. You think that I am saying, I do not believe that this fat man in a red suit doesn't really go down a chimney, perfectly clean, eat my cookies, and leave gifts. I, I don't believe that the guy exists at all. And when I say to you that I don't believe in Santa, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say I don't believe he exists in the first place. Now watch this. If I take the same phrase and I apply it to my spouse, I don't believe in my wife. Go ahead and tell your dog to scoot over so that you've got somewhere to sleep tonight in the doghouse. Because that phrase means something completely different when you use it in that context. Same word, same phrase, but now you know what I'm saying. I am not saying I don't believe my wife exists. She's obviously existing. I'm saying I don't put my trust into something that she thinks that she can do. Which one do you use for your salvation? Which version are you using for Jesus? Which version are you using to make sure you are going to be saved? Is it just the version of existence or is it the version of investment? Which depth of believing are you going to? The shallow where you're saying I know that he's real or the one where it says I know I can trust him? Because there's only one. That will make sure you're saved. We are not saying we don't believe that my wife does not exist. Surely she does. She's alive. We're saying we don't trust in her ability to perform or to do something. Usually, there is a backstory like she claims that she can cook. 
and I respond, I don't believe in you. Of course, these references are purely out of context and have nothing to do with our real lives. We often use the word believe to define what we believe exists and not necessarily what we put our trust in. I believe in aliens probably doesn't mean I trust in aliens to provide for all my needs. Y'all know those crazy folks out there that believe in aliens? Where's Brandon at? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had to. Is he doing ushering? I love you, bro, wherever you are. Hopefully he's not listening to the TV out in the foyer. I just saw the doors open. Somebody left. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we talked about that the other day. It was a good conversation about do aliens exist, and we were all just laughing about it. I'm sure he doesn't. I know he doesn't believe that, but it was funny. Um, I, I believe in aliens. Some people think that they believe in aliens, but that probably doesn't mean what you think that it does. Uh, some say, you know, I, I believe in monsters. I don't believe in monsters. I believe in tooth fairy. I don't believe in tooth fairy. What, what, what we should be saying is I believe they exist or not. We're really not talking correctly. We're really not adding enough context to the conversation. We should be saying, I don't believe aliens exist. I don't believe the tooth fairy exists. Because if you don't say that, it can, it can seem like you're talking about their existence. And we've got to make sure we're careful with the word belief in our current modern day language because they have taken that word, the devil has taken that word, and he's twisted it. He's watered it down. He's made a bunch of fake Christians out of that word. And we've got to search the scriptures for the meaning of it. According to the Bible, when you said, I believe, you were saying, I put my trust in. There are two depths to belief. Number one, there is the existence depth, which is first. You have to have this one first. The first time somebody ever met Jesus, this is what they said. I met a man named Jesus. And your response would have been, I don't believe you. Or, I believe you. This is a shallow belief system. Because believing that Jesus is real does not mean that you're going to follow him and give your life for him on a cross. There is a vast difference in believing that Jesus existed and died on a cross and believing he was legit, he was real, and what he said was real, and what he said for you to do is real. There is a vast difference. The first level of depth is, do you even believe he existed? The second depth is when it goes deeper, and that is your investment depth. This is where you believe everything he said to be true about himself and about you, and this is where it takes investment to prove you believe. As we get to know Jesus, we find that Jesus claims that he can offer us something, and then we are forced to take our, our belief system even deeper. I believe he exists, but now, more than that, I believe in him. He's not lying. This kind of belief will produce complete heart investment. Now that I believe in everything that he says that he is, I am all his. I am sold out. I belong to him. I follow him. I trust in him. If he says go right, I go right. If he says go left, I go left. If he says live for me, I live for him if he says go to church I go to church everything he says I do it because I am a believer because I believe in him I believe what he says to be true he says I am in need of saving he says I am lost without him he says he can save me 
he says to me that there are requirements for me to be saved. And I believe. Do you believe? No, no, no. Don't, not do you believe he lived. Do you believe he died? Do you believe everything he said? Do you believe everything he did? Do you believe every message that came out of his mouth? Not just the ones your flesh likes. Not just the one that you want to believe. But everything that he said. Everything he is. Everything. Do you believe a part of your God or all of your God? Just a part of his words or all of his words? You're either a believer or you're not a believer. Hallelujah. Because I believe in him, I will obey him. You cannot separate obedience from belief. It is impossible. When you're making a cake... The recipe tells you what to do. You see a picture on the internet. It looks beautiful. Everybody says it tastes good. It's got five stars. Not that I would know about any of this. I'm a real man. But people tell me that if you're going to bake a cake, that you just got to go find the one that everybody says they like. And usually they're pretty right. It's got five stars. It's got a great review. 400 people said it's an amazing cake. And if you want, you probably can make a great cake. You just got to do everything they said. If you believe in the recipe, if you believe in the end result, if you believe you can have what they said you could have, you will follow every single step of the recipe and you will not change it because you believe in the recipe. You believe in the chef. You believe in the master. You believe in the cook that he knows what he's doing. And I've just got to follow every single step step accurately and I can have what he said I can have you only deviate from the directions when you either doubt the original plan or you think the original plan is lacking something and you can add a little pizzazz to it oh what pride we have to twist the gospel to think we can save ourselves without following the plan of Jesus for our lives oh the audacity to mess with the recipe to think that we know better. It's pride. It's human flesh. He gave us a way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He said, if you're going to get there, it's going to be the way I say. It's going to be the way I take. It's going to be living like me. There's only one way to be saved. Straight is the road. Straight is the way to salvation. Broad is the way of destruction. There's only one path to be saved. If you believe, you're going. If you believe, you're copying. If you believe, you're submitting. If you believe, you're obeying. Or you're not obeying. You're not believing. The two go together, hand in hand. See, we call ourselves believers, but we don't have any manifestations. Are you a believer? Well, yeah, I'm a believer. You got to believe to be saved. No, no, believing is just the beginning of being saved. Well, if I believe and I confess with my mouth, he died on the cross, I'm saved. You're not studying the Bible. You're believing what a lot of your family and friends believe that never study the Bible. You're believing the current context of the day because it's what the flesh wants you to believe. It's what Satan wants you to believe. It's a twisted doctrine made of man and you refuse to read the book for yourself just like I did to you today. I heard their pitch. I heard the, the, the doctrines of the day. I've studied it for myself. And I found in their errors that are not biblical, that are not patterned correctly. We have got to make sure that we are in obedience to God because the only way to prove that you truly believe in Jesus is to obey everything he says. Everything in the Bible, everything inspired by Jesus 
Obedience is the only way to prove that you believe the master. You can talk about it all day long. You can try to convince us that you believe. You can say it to yourself until you're blue in the face. You can stare in the mirror and go, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. But you can't talk your way out of this one. It must manifest at some point. It must turn into an investment. Because if you don't have investment, you don't truly believe. Now I want to get into it a little bit now deeper, okay? Are you all right? Everybody good? Y'all want cake now, don't you? Okay. You do not believe in Jesus if you do not obey him. You say you have belief or you have this internal trust in Jesus, but oftentimes there is no evidence of the belief. And Mark 16 and 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized. He that believeth and is what? And is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized. Read the whole Bible. Get all the verses and put them in a pile and then find your doctrine. Because the doctrine is the book, not the scripture. Not the individual verse that you like, that your grandma liked, that your great grandma liked. But the doctrine comes from the entire inspired word of God. If you believe, then get baptized. If you say today that you believe but you're not baptized, you don't believe. Believe and get baptized, and then you can be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Big scary word, but it's in the Bible. If you do not believe, you will be damned. If you do not believe, you will be damned. This is not a small topic, and we skim over the word belief in church because we think we all figured it out, but we don't. It's actually the core, the foundation that we build our faith on. If we don't believe, we don't do anything. Everything builds off of our belief. Believe and be baptized. Paul declared there is only one baptism. There's only one. One baptism. Now, there might be three parts, but there's only one baptism. It might be repentance, water, and spirit, but that's one baptism. You're not truly baptized into Christ unless it's through repentance and water and spirit. It takes all three of those to be born again. Because in John 3, we know that a man must be born again of the water and of the spirit to see, to enter into the kingdom of God. That's why if you're a believer, you will get baptized. You will, you will, you will. You will never turn down receiving the Holy Ghost or getting baptized. If you are a believer, never, ever, ever will you do it. If you're a believer, you will invest. You will. John 7, 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. If you believe on me, your belly will become a wellspring of living water, and the life that you're looking for will come outside of you. It'll be the inside out. If you're a believer, where is your living water? I know a lot of believers are like, Yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, I love Jesus. I'm a believer. Where's your water? Oh, I got water right here. Right here is my water. I'm like, no, you don't understand what the water is. Read the Bible. Verse 39. But this, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. I got the Spirit. I got the Spirit. How do you know? Well, I just know. Oh, really? Let's keep reading. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. 
because that Jesus was not glorified. So you've got to make sure that you're getting the Spirit, a.k.a. the Holy Ghost. See, I know a lot of people that got the Spirit, they don't got the Holy Ghost. You might have got the Spirit. If you think you got the Spirit, go ahead, God bless you. But until you get the Holy Ghost, you ain't really got the Spirit. Because the Holy Ghost is the power of God. It's the power of Jesus Christ that lived and walked through the earth and was sin-free. And he rose again and he defeated flesh and sin. And he sent back that spirit, uh, that overcoming power to us uh, to fill us uh, so that we could live free of sin. So, so you couldn't even got the spirit following Jesus until he was glorified or until he went up to, to ascend into the heavens and he was glorified. You couldn't even have gotten the Holy Ghost yet. That's why I'm telling you, you really couldn't have been born again of water and spirit until after, until the day of Pentecost. That's when it was poured out. Yeah. That's why they call us Pentecostals and not Baptists. Because we got baptized and went to Pentecost. We went to go get the Holy Ghost too. We believe in baptism also. But we just kept going is all we did. We're not better than the Baptists. We just go further than the Baptists. I got a method. Yeah. I'm a saint of the latter day. I'm all of that stuff. Call yourself what you want to call it. I'm the church of Christ. That's great. But the reason why they called us Pentecostal is not because we're better than the other groups, but because we kept going. We kept walking. We went to the book of Acts, and we said, wait a minute. There's more for us. There's more for us. Believers keep going. Believers keep going. Believers keep going. Believers keep going. There's going to be a last day revival of all the other people that believe that didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. And they're going to get the Holy Ghost. I believe in the last days, every denomination, every non-denomination is going to receive the Holy Ghost baptism and baptize in Jesus' name. And God's going to pour out His Spirit upon the believers. But, but what, if, what if I didn't know about getting the Holy Ghost? Well, number one, you do now. <laughs> if you're here in this video, you do now. If you're sitting here today, you say you can't say that anymore. Well, I didn't know there was no Holy Ghost. You do now. You can't play ignorant now. I, I preached it to you. I told it to you. Now you know. And now you want it, right? 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 The problem I have is when you hear about the Holy Ghost and you turn your ear against it. No, I don't know. Hey, let's go get the Holy Ghost. You're going to talk and tell No, it's not for me. Are you a believer? Come on. Oh, you stop believing all of a sudden. Come on. You believed five minutes ago. Now you don't believe? See, believing is active. Believing is progressive. You don't just shut off your belief all of a sudden because you didn't like the scripture. Believers love the Bible. Believers keep studying the Bible. Believers go forward. They don't go backward. Yeah. So, so what do you do when you didn't even know you love God? Oh, you love God. You go to church. You're a disciple of Jesus, but you didn't even know about the Holy Ghost. You hadn't talked in tongues. You didn't even know you could talk in tongues. What do you do? Here's what you do. Acts 19 and 1. This, isn't, this, this happened before, y'all. This isn't new. You ready? Acts 19 and 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus. And finding certain, everybody say disciples. Whoa, you're about to find disciples that didn't have the Holy Ghost. Is that possible, Pastor? Yeah, it's possible. It is possible to be under the teaching of Jesus and not even have received the Holy Ghost yet. But let me show you what a disciple does when he finds out that there is a Holy Ghost. 
he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe in verse 2? Everybody say, since you believed. Have you received since you believed? Have you received since you believed? The expectation of believers is that you will come and be a receiver. You're not a believer if you're not a receiver. You're not a believer if you're not open to receiving. If your walls are up right now and you're rejecting the word of God right now, then you're not a believer. Because look, he's expecting them to receive something because they are disciples, because they are believers. He's expecting them to welcome the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so do I. When I talk to my Baptist friends or non-denominational friends, which that's pretty much what we're talking to these days, when I talk to my people who don't belong to anybody, friends, when I talk to those people, okay, and I talk to them about the Bible, this is what I talk to them about. I say, oh, you're a believer? Good. You want to receive the Holy Ghost? No, 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 no. Well, in the book of Acts 19, they were disciples, they were believers, and they were open to receiving the Holy Ghost. You ready? Let's keep going. Get the cart before the horse. I get too excited. Here we go. And they said unto him, we have not so much as even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I love God. I love God. I'm a disciple. I I go to church. I didn't even know this was for us. Do you know how many people out there love God? They're disciples, and they just don't know. Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because there's people out there who love God. They're disciples. They're believers. And they just don't know. If we would just open up our mouth and tell the world, tell the world of believers, they would receive the Holy Ghost and complete their baptism. So they said here in Acts 19, I didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. I haven't heard about it. We haven't so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost, verse 3. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? So how did you get this far then if you didn't even have the Holy Ghost? And they said, well, we got John's baptism. That's, that's the repentance one. Then said Paul in verse 4, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. That's good. I'm like where you got. I like how far you've come. It looks like so far you've repented. That's your first baptism. But you're not done yet. Tell all your friends that have been baptized by John's baptism of repentance. They've repented. They've turned their life to Jesus. Tell them there's more for you. Just like they did here in Acts 19. So it says, I I have repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. I believe on him. I'm ready for what's next. I just didn't know what was next. Look what happened in verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means water. That's baptizo in the Greek. That means baptized, submerged under the water in the name of Jesus Christ because they had repented, but they had not known about baptism. And when Paul, verse 6, you ready? Are you ready? Tell your neighbor, are you ready? When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Is that your Bible? Is that your Bible? Is that your Bible? What are you waiting for? Come on, disciples of the world. Come get the Holy Ghost. Get baptized in Jesus' name. Woo, hallelujah. Isn't that exciting, y'all? We're the originals at AFC. We're just trying to do it like they did it. It takes a lot less pride to copy them than to make your own thing. The greatest way to have humility is to follow Jesus, not to create your own doctrines. The people that are creating their own churches and styles and doing all that, that's pride. 
They're trying to make it better than what Jesus did. That's pride. We want to be the originals. All right, here, let's keep going. Hope you had coffee. If you are a real believer, you just need to hear about the Holy Ghost and you will want the Holy Ghost. How do you know you're a real believer? When I tell you there is a Holy Ghost, you go, give it to me right now. Where's the water at? Let's get baptized in Jesus' name. I want the name on me. I want the name on me. I want the Spirit in me. I want, the, I want to talk in a new tongue. If it's for believers and disciples, then let me have it right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me go further. A religious person is more dedicated to their religion and then their belief in Jesus Christ. Well, I grew up Baptist. I grew up Methodist. I grew up Church of Christ. Or now, I'm a non-denominational. So I can't believe anything anybody from a denomination believes. Because I'm non-denominational. It's like, what is a non-denominational? It's people who are like, I'm not none of y'all. No, you are all of us combined with really cool hair is what you are. That's all you are. Let's move on. Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Stay with the notes. Stay with the notes. Don't. Whew, we're on live today. Got to do it on Wednesday. See us tonight at 6 o'clock. I'll finish my part two series of what the non-denominational mean. Guess what? I got good news for everybody. We are also non-denominational. Wait, no. We're part of the United Pentecostal Church International. No, you're not. Where's your license at? And by the way, our bylaws say that we are a fellowship, not an organization. We're not a denomination, I should say. We are not a denomination. We're a fellowship. We're a fellowship. We're organized to reach the world. That's what we are. We are not a denomination. Some of y'all didn't know that, did you? Bless God. <laughs> Who are we even these days? Call Brother Bernard and ask him. He'll tell you. We are not a denomination. So, we're a fellowship. But the Bible calls us the church. Yeah. Not a church, the church. That's what we really are. We're the church. Listen to me. Pastor, my grandma didn't do it like that. And my grandma loved Jesus. Okay. Okay. All right. Peter also loved Jesus. And he still betrayed him three times, sweetheart. doesn't matter how much grandma loved Jesus because you can love them and mess up you can be a good person and not obey the Bible yeah most of y'all say grandma served Jesus but really grandma was a good lady there are good ladies that don't serve Jesus there are good old ladies that don't serve Jesus and you just label them Christian and all of a sudden it's like well that must be the truth you can plant the label on any good person it looks like they're like Jesus looks like they're a Christian looks like they're a believer you can love Jesus and not even have the doctrine right. Are you saying my grandma's not going to go to heaven? No. I don't know your grandma. I don't know what she did. We don't know how she really lived. For all we know, she smoked a pack of Marlboros every day when you left. <laughs> oh, grandma's so sweet. You don't, did you live with grandma all the time? Did you see what she did? Did you look at her Facebook account? Some of them grandmas be posting some crazy stuff, sharing some weird stuff. I'm like, hey, I, I'm out on some of that, y'all. Need to calm down. <laughs> Little quick tip for pastor here. You be careful if you're over the age of 70 playing with the internet, all right? Because 
there's some stuff on there that, that is confusing. And I see some of y'all stuff sharing stuff. You don't know what you're posting. <laughs> My grandma didn't do it. She loved Jesus, so I'll be fine. I'll be careful with that. Are you going to trust, are you going to trust your grandma or are you going to trust Jesus? Why does the conversation go to grandma? Is grandma Jesus? No. Would you please ignore that for a second? We love grandma. She's a great lady, but let's get all that out of the way, okay? That's a distraction. Let's come back to the Bible. Let's make sure that those who are alive and breathing hear the gospel and have a chance to be saved. Quit trying to divert the conversation to justify your lacks of faith. Yeah. Oh, oh help us, Lord. Are you going to trust in your Christian social circle? Well, all my family and friends are Church of Christ, so I have to stay this way. Y'all, if y'all change, I'll be out on y'all tomorrow. You think I would stay this way because y'all change? I'm out. Y'all want to go crazy? Y'all want to start believing in all kinds of junk? My wife and I packing up and gone. We ain't going to hang out with none of y'all no more because you're not going to make me be lost. I don't care what y'all believe. I don't care what happens here. I follow the Bible. I follow the Word of God. He's my social circle. What he says is what I do. People, man, so many people go to a church because of their friends. They, they stay in a church because of their friends. They, they believe doctrines that are wrong because of their friends. Well, it's what we do. It's what we do. No, what does he say? It's a fear of persecution. That's what it is. It's a fear of being an outcast. That's what it is. It's a fear of being alone. It's a fear of actually standing up with your faith and doing something that costs you something. That's what it is. That's the root of it all right there. I don't want to be an outcast for my family and my friends. What if they kick me out? You know how many people we never got in the Pentecostal uh, 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 church because of fear that they'd be kicked out of families? That's a real thing, y'all. Some of y'all don't know about it because a lot of families don't go to church anymore. But back in the day, like, you go down that tongue-talking church, you ain't going to be part of our family Christmas anymore. Y'all, they would literally threaten you because you were changing your religion. No wonder people didn't seek the truth. They would destroy you. But you know what? When you get really hungry, you say, forget all that. I don't care what anybody says or what I lose. I may not go to Christmas anymore, but I'm going to go to heaven one day. I'm going to have a family there. I'm going to have a family in the church. I may not have any of that, but I'm going to be right with God. So my word for you today, if you're afraid, my word for you today, if you're watching online and you're scared, the lurkers out there watching this message going, that's me. I would never tell anybody, but it's me. I'm scared to search the Bible. I'm scared of the consequences of finding out the truth. My word to you is this, fear not what you will find when you search the scriptures. Do not be afraid of the revelation that you will find when you take time and dig into the Word of God for yourself. Fear not what you will find. Don't worry about the consequences. James has something to say on this before we get to our closing. James 2 and 18. He dealt with it back in his day too. But some, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. How do you know someone has an internal belief system? Because it works out. It shows up. It manifests. If you don't have it on the inside, it never comes out. All this talk about I'm a believer deep inside, I'm like, it's too deep. Get it out. Well, I have it deep in my heart, deep down. I know I sin, but deep down I love God. There's no such thing. The deeper God's love goes, the, the higher 
it shows. I, I'm a rapper, y'all. Y'all know I'm a rapper. I can't help it. It just... Got to wake some of y'all carnal folks up every now and then with a rap song. This is Del Valley, by the way. You believe. Here we go. Keep going. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe. They believe in the existence. They believe in the existence. They don't put their trust. They don't convert. They believe he's real, and then they fight against them. Could that be you? That's demonic. It's even worse that you believe and don't obey. It's even worse that you acknowledge and confess, but then you sit there and ignore what he's telling you to do. That's the greater condemnation. Verse 20, but do you, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Believing in Jesus is not a secret feeling. You, your heart, you hold inside your heart. It's provable. Salvation is not hidden. Salvation is evident. This generation wants salvation without the manifestation. We stand over caskets and say, he's probably saved. <laughs> he was a good guy. He, uh, he loved to build birdhouses. Old Jim here. Jim loved to build birdhouses and he was a good guy. He's probably saved. And one time, whenever, you know, back in 65, he told me that he thought Jesus was real. He's saved. You know why we do that? Because we can't come to the grips of the fact that we never told Jim the truth. We never prayed for him, never helped him, never got in his bubble. So we just go ahead and pretend he's probably saved so we can get everybody out of the church and stop crying so much. Because the reality we can't handle. And it's that fear of being honest that it's caused people to be lost. So we have to make sure there are manifestations. In my closing today, I'm going to give you the manifestations of being a believer. In Mark 16 and 17, these signs shall follow them to believe. Are you ready? In my name shall they cast out devils. That's the word of God right there. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. I'm a believer, but I don't, I, I'm scared of devils. I'm a believer, but I've never spoken a new tongue. I got the same tongue, same old tongue, same old cussing tongue, cutting tongue, gossiping tongue. I never have given the control of my mouth up to Jesus to take over my words. This is why tongue talking is so important, because in tongue talking, you give up the control of your mouth which means you get the control of your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you give up your heart, it comes out your mouth. And the reason why there's a connection between spirit and filling and speaking in tongues is because the tongue tails off on the heart. <laughs> I got the spirit in my heart. Never shows up in your tongue. This generation wants the salvation without the manifestation. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This is what a believer is sh sh supposed to be. Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues. 
tongues like a fire. And it sat upon each of them, not just part of them, not just half of them, not just the men, not just the preachers, not just the elders, but each of them. Every single individual spoke in tongues. Praise God. Oh, it was a special gift for some of them. That's not what it says. Well, half of them did it. Another half didn't. No, each of them. Each of them. Study the Bible. Don't listen to the guy down the road. Read the book. I'm preaching the book today. I'm not putting a spin on that word. That's the definition of each. Each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the ability to speak. You will speak in tongues when you are full of the Holy Ghost. Why are you afraid of it? Do you believe in it? Do you believe in him? Do you believe that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water? And this is the Holy Ghost that he promised to you? Then why not come receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues? It's weird. Yeah, it's weird, but God filling up a human is pretty weird. Oh, is that normal to everybody? God's about to come fill you up. The creator of heaven and earth is going to get inside your body. It's just normal. Nothing's going to change. Are you kidding me? The God of creation is about to fill this vessel and nothing's going to happen to me? No, he's going to take over your thoughts, take over your heart, and he's going to help you speak words that you are no longer in control of, but he is in control of. Now, I got to give you another one that we skip over, verse 13. Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. I like this one. Because a lot of folks tell me down the road at their churches that they receive the Spirit. They don't believe in talking in tongues. But I'm like, what about acting like you're drunk? Why'd you skip over that one? So let me give you a backstory. Some of you look at me like cow looking at a new gate. Let me give you a backstory, okay? So they had just talked in tongues, received the Holy Ghost. And a few verses later, the crowd gathered around and said, these guys look like they've been drinking alcohol. This, no. Is that Jesus or Jack? I can't tell the difference. It looks like they've been drinking alcohol. I don't know anything about drinking. I never did it. I just I act like I did. Just talk about it a little bit, you know, try to connect to the sinners in the room, but I have no clue. <laughs> so others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. And that means when they received the Holy Ghost, they didn't look like they were in control. Kind of like when you're drunk. I got the Holy Ghost. What happened to you when you got the Holy Ghost? Well, I stood there and I was like, Lord, I accept you as my personal Savior. And all of a sudden the Spirit came and I was just like, let's go eat. Well, when I got the Holy Ghost at 12, I felt like I got hit by a truck. I felt like I could barely get off the ground. I was speaking in tongues. I felt heavy. I felt free. I felt good. It, I, I had never drunk before, but for the first time ever, I could relate with the addict. I could relate. Because when you get full of the Holy Ghost, something takes over in your spirit, and you feel like you're lifting off. You feel like you're going somewhere else. You look a little crazy. You look a little weird. And thank God because God just filled me up. The reasons why people don't want to see the Holy Ghost part two is you're scared of how you'll look when it happens. You, you, ain't, you don't want the Holy Ghost. You don't want to be saved. Don't you tell me you want to be saved coming up in here being like, well, don't touch me. Don't pray for me. You're not desperate for anything. You're totally content. You're not a believer. If you were a believer, you'd be running up to the altar saying, give it to me now. Now, I'm a believer. I want to speak in tongues. I want to have the gift of the Holy Ghost. I got to hurry. You ready? Galatians 5. Let me give them to you. There's this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. Now, some Pentecostals get the Holy Ghost talking in tongues, and that's all they do. 
I fear you may have learned to talk in tongues. I fear you may be copying the tongues from 1985. I fear that you're not probably truly speaking in a fluid spiritual language. I fear that you, if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, you're probably playing religion with tongues. It is possible for you to learn how to speak in tongues of the flesh, just like it's possible for you to clap your hands and not even be here in the room. You're already eating pizza right now, Pizza Hut. The world's worse is at camp meeting. All the preachers are like, just don't be a hypocrite. Just get on your phone. Be on your phone. You don't have to act like you're praising God, talking to your neighbor. Right? You're not. You can't do two things at once. Be here tonight for part two of things that bother me in the church. All right. <laughs> Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Do you have all that? But I talk in tongues. No, 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 no. That's the initial sign of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's, that's the proof that it actually can flow through you. It's not proof that you can walk in it. Right? So the Spirit that gives you life, you have to walk in that Spirit. You ready? you got to have love coming out of you. That's your fruit. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. you got to be gentle. Musicians? Oh, you're already here. <laughs> gentle, goodness, faith, meekness. I'm saved. None of, that, none of that shows up in my life, but I'm saved. Somebody makes you mad, you flip out, but I'm saved. That was just a temper problem. No, that was your nature. That's the toothpaste getting squeezed. Now we know what color you are. That's who you really are. Under pressure is who you really are. And that's why God's got some of y'all under pressure right now. Because you need to find out who you really are. Don't run from who you really are. Seek Jesus. Believe again. Get full of the Holy Ghost again. Temperance. Control your temper. This is the fruit of the Spirit, y'all. This is the manifestation of salvation. This is how you know you're saved. This is how you know. These are the ways you know that you're right with God. Somebody said, how do I know I'm right with God? These are the ways you know. There's no reason to fear salvation. No reason to fear your, your eternal security. Just measure yourself by the word of God. And you can rest assured tonight when you go to bed, if you were to die in your sleep, die on your way home, choke at lunch, it doesn't matter. You're going to make it. Because you've got manifestations from your belief systems to prove that you're real. Now, there's not just all those signs and fruit of the Spirit. There's gifts of the Spirit. Have you ever been used in the gifts of the Spirit? It's part of having the Spirit. Pastor, I have the Spirit, but I don't have any fruit of the Spirit. I don't have any gifts of the Spirit. You probably don't have the Spirit. Wisdom, word of knowledge, is the gifts of the Spirit. Faith. Healing, miracles, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. I think all of y'all think y'all got that one. <laughs> to another, kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of the tongue. This specifically is for the edification of the church. When you talk in tongues, Paul taught us it's the edification for you. When you're used in the gift of tongues, then it's different. Because the gift of tongues is now a vessel, now a tool used to bless the congregation, bless those who've gathered. You can be speaking in tongues and edifying you, and all of a sudden, a tongue comes out of you, and now you know this is for somebody else. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
Because we've all been in church talking in tongues, and all of a sudden somebody began to talk in tongues, and it was different. You know what that was? That was the gift of tongues. And that's why the Bible says there's an interpretation of tongues. It's the body of Christ working together in unity to prove that we have the Spirit. Are you ever, have you ever used the gifts of the Spirit? But I am, I'm saved, but I don't have any of that. If you never talk in a language you don't know, have moments in prayer where you look a little tipsy, see the fruit of the Spirit daily, use the gifts of the Spirit often, how do you even know that you even have the Spirit that's going to save you? How do you sit through church and say, I'm good with that? Pastor, I don't care what you say, I believe I'm saved. That is the spirit of the last days. The spirit of the last days will not be counseled. You can't use the scripture against it. The spirit of the last days, no matter what you say, will sit there and go, I'm going to be fine no matter what. I don't have to change a thing. And that word is called deception. Did you know that deception is the belief in something that is not true? I'm a believer. Everybody's a believer. But not everybody's right in what they believe in. Everybody believes something. Even the atheists believe that there's nothing to believe in. Except their own belief. Everyone is a believer. And I want to warn you today because this is a salvation series so that everybody can feel the prick in your heart. If you sit here today in this service and say, forget all that, I still believe I'm saved. That's deception. You are deceived. That's not a thing. Yes, it is. Jeremiah 17 and 9 said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know our hearts? Luke 21 and 8, he said, Take heed that you do not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. Deception is very possible for us if we are not careful. Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's what I'm talking about right now. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You can't even get through anymore to them because their conscience is seared. There are people that come to our service every week. Your conscience is so seared, we can't even get through to you anymore. I preach about salvation. I preach about heaven and hell. And you just sit there staring at me. Walk out the door. You have ignored God so many times, you could care less about being saved anymore. It's going to take an incredibly horrible wake-up call to get your attention. And that is so sad. Because God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them to believe. Not a car wreck, not cancer. God chose me. The preferred method of salvation is for you to just hear me today and avoid all that bad junk. The fastest way to Jesus is not at the back door, it's at the front of a church. The quickest way to make sure you're right is to confess, I need it, I need them, it's my priority, I'm lost without them, and I refuse to be deceived, I'm going to be a believer in Jesus and the Word of God. 
2 Timothy 3 and 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue, Paul told Timothy, but you must continue and the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation, not through men, but from the holy scriptures. When deception comes knocking, go to the holy scriptures. When men down the road preach a a, a demonic doctrine, go to the Holy Scriptures. When it seems like the world is changing, Timothy, go to the Holy Scriptures. He said, said, be sure of the things you've learned from people like me. Be sure of people, of, of the Word of God and the Holy Scriptures. Be sure those things will help you to make sure that you're wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. But probably the one that is most important for today is James. Back to James 1 and 22. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. Today the worst thing you could ever do is hear this and do nothing. Worst thing you could ever do is hear this and do nothing. Because believing produces response believing produces commitments believing produces obedience if you are believing today then you will change something in your life you will give something up today in this service you will make a commitment today if you're really a believer you'll receive something today thank you lord Can we just love the Lord together before we close service today? Thank you, Jesus. Let us see what the Holy Ghost will do in this place today. I came today with a great mission to challenge many doctrines of devils, many belief systems that are so so comfortable to our flesh, so anti-God, so anti-Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray that right now, God, stir hearts and lives today. Stir us, God, in this place. Let us be submissive to you and obedient to you today, God, that we could make sure we are right with you and we are saved because believing is just the beginning. Thank you, Jesus. While you're thinking about the Lord, just listen to me for a minute. My wife makes amazing brownies. Any kids want to help me? Any kids want to come up here? I just need a couple volunteers. Any kids? They're really good brownies. My wife made these brownies. Anybody? No? Cheyenne, you want to help me? She's like, last time I did this. Come on up. Yeah. Cheyenne, you want to come up here? A couple people come up here? Anybody else? This family's really outgoing. Why don't one of y'all come up here? Yeah, go ahead and come on up. My wife made some really good brownies. So good. Oh, wow. They're paleo. Come up here. But they're actually good paleo. This one's mine. I'm not going to share. So good. Would y'all try one? They're legit. I just tried one. Would you try one? They taste good. You're welcome. I'm going to put them in this. So this right here is our foot washing tub. 
This is the bucket we've used for real with my stinky toes and their stinky toes. We've scrubbed off all of our pride and the humility, and we've used this tub. But the good news for you all is we cleaned it. That's fine. <laughs> we cleaned it, right? So all of the stuff that hangs out in our toes, little amoebas, uh, all the junk, things we pick up on the floor, we walk in barefooted, you can trust me. It's been clean. All right, so go ahead. You ready? You want to eat? <laughs> Bro, you want one? Huh? You change your mind? Okay. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how just the fact that she doesn't believe that the soap got all the junk out stopped her from the investment? Belief is so powerful because you don't believe something, you don't do it. When you don't believe, you don't invest. This simple illustration is how many people live their lives. They go, I believe or I don't believe. But the truth is, will you come and make a change? Because that's the only way to know you truly believe something, is to invest, to receive. Enough talk. Cheyenne's saying, I don't want it now. I don't believe. But boy, if you believe. If you believe the soap worked, if you believe that everything's clean, if you believe that it's all right, you will come and receive today. You guys can go down. I'm not going to let you eat this because I have no way. I would not eat out of it either. I don't blame you guys one bit. I've seen my toes. You haven't seen my toes. Let's all stand to our feet right now. Let's get ready. If you're praying, it's all right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're here for somebody today in this place. There's people that are watching online that I hope this is shared to people, our friends and our family, God, who have been saying for a long time, well, I believe, God, I believe, I know I'm probably saved, everything's fine. We talk it, we talk it, we talk it, but where is the fruit? Where are the gifts? Where is my tongue at? How come my tongue doesn't talk in tongues? How come I don't feel like I'm full of the Holy Ghost, acting a little bit drunk in the Spirit? How come that never happens to me, but yet I'm a believer? It's probably because you didn't really, really believe, but today I hope it sparked something in your life. Are you really a believer today? If you're a believer, then come and receive. Come and receive. Come and receive today. Let's lift our hands together right now. And if you're a believer right now, then it's easy for you to follow after the Holy Ghost. It's easier for you to receive. Easier for you to operate in the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. If you're a believer right now, then we're open. We're receiving. We're investing. We're giving it up. We're getting involved. We're going to do something today to prove it. I'm not going to just live this life talking about salvation. I'm going to live salvation. I'm going to live the manifestations. I'm going to make sure. Sure, I'm all in. I don't want to be deceived, God. I don't want to talk it. I want to make sure that I live it, God. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray with you today. Let's let everybody who needs the Holy Ghost come. Come boldly to the front and receive today. Come boldly to the front and seek after Jesus. I'm a believer. I've heard about him. I know he's real. But much more than that, I'm an investor. I'm going to be at every service. I'm going to pray every day because I'm a believer. It's just the beginning, ladies and gentlemen. It's just the beginning. If you're really a believer today, then you shall be saved. Thank you, God. Oh, God, we love you. Oh, God, we love you. Are you ready to worship? 
Singers, let's worship the Lord together. Let's make sure that our hearts are right with God. Let's make sure that our hearts are right with God. Everybody today that hasn't spoken in tongues, hasn't been renewed in the Holy Ghost, this is your service today. This is your chance today to find somebody and pray until the Holy Ghost fills you up. Let's speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I want to be full of your Spirit, God. I want to be full of your Spirit, God. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost, God. I didn't even know it was for me, God. But now I know. And so now I'm coming to receive today. Come on, don't say you believe in church, but you don't come. Don't say I'm a believer, but I'm not all in. Just confess, I may not believe you. Help my belief, Jesus. I doubt you, Lord. Help my belief today, God. If you can fix your belief systems, you will be saved. Trust in Him. Lean on Him. Give Him everything today. Open your heart to Him. Let's find people that look like they want us to pray with them. And let's pray with them. And let's bless them. And let's make sure everybody's a believer. And everybody's a receiver today.